Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss, a baseball podcast hosted by me, Alexandra Aguila, and today we are recording episode number 20. Yay! That's a pretty big milestone, not gonna lie. 20 episodes? Pretty crazy. So this is gonna be a regular baseball episode talking about some pretty interesting topics we have going on here. Spring training is officially underway. Well, practice. Games haven't started yet. Those start in approximately six days from Saturday, February 18th. But from Monday, it'll be quick math. Four days. Four days. Okay. Four days until spring training games start. I'm so excited. Uh, let me tell you, it's been a little bit rough over here. Um, baseball has not been going on in a solid couple of months, right? And at first, I was fine. You know what? Football was going on. My attention was on that. Playoffs, Super Bowl. It was great until it was not. I am currently in the stretch of where I have nothing to do sports related. I am sitting here looking at the countdown that I literally have on my phone until spring training games start. That made me sad and desperate, but honestly, I am just in a like baseball depression right now. It's been tough. It's been rough. And I am so excited for baseball to start. I don't care if it's spring training, like a bunch of minor league players are going to be playing prospects, whatever. Give me major league baseball and I will watch it. I know college baseball has started, but I'm not a big fan. Not going to lie. I think college baseball is like, it's, it's fun. I think it's fun to watch but I just don't I'm not a big fan of like just the way that they play baseball like I feel like the levels of maturity is different no offense like I say this with an all respect like I just do not think that like there's a difference between like major league players and college players and you can see it like these college like athletes are like freaking out or doing bat flips when they hit a single Like, come on, man. Like, okay, if you hit, like, a grand slam, maybe even, like, three-run homer, fine, go ahead, take your time around the bases, flip the bat, but you're just hitting a single to right field? Like, come on. Or if it's even, like, a blooper, like, come on. You don't have to celebrate every single time. So, like I said, it's fun baseball, but I just don't enjoy watching it. I just get more mad and aggravated because, like, it's just not my kind of vibe, but for others, it may be. So, that's that. Um, I just am super excited for baseball to start because I, it's just not been good over here. Like I've been in a horrific mood the past like week or so. And I've just like, this off season has felt so long and I'm talking about longer than it did in 2022 with the lockout. So that's what I got to say about that. I'm just super excited for baseball to start. So anyways, let's get into the topics that we're going to discuss today. We kind of have like a mixture of everything. So I'm going to tell you guys what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about Derek Jeter, how he joins MLB, Fox Sports, spring training injuries that are already occurring, Brian Reynolds, got some drama around him, and then MLB expansion. Those are the four things we're going to be hitting today. Um, And then next week, I think we're going to have a fun WBC episode because that's starting too. And there's honestly a lot of drama about that that we should definitely discuss, but that's what we're going to talk about today, and let's get into it. So first things first, let's talk about Derek Jeter, a guy that we all know and love, some of us, maybe people in the AL East, 
Red Sox fans, maybe even Mariners fans, don't like him. But it's okay. For the majority, a bunch of people like him. And he joins Fox Sports and will be, like, on the MLB broadcast with, like, Big Poppy, A-Rod, you know, everybody who does, like, the pregame stuff and then, like, the postgames type things. So he's going to be joining Fox Sports. Kind of surprising. I'm not going to lie. When I first heard, I was like, really? Because Derek Jeter just does not strike me as a guy who goes out and does and just talks a lot. Or like, I think he like he voices his his opinion a lot, but he's not much of like a talker to me. I th- I just saw him like as a quiet guy. And even when he did his documentary, like yeah, like of course he had to talk, and you know he did those like, I guess interview sessions if you want to call them. But like he was just more of like a calm guy. I don't know. Anyways, Derek Jeter joins a team and I mean, let's talk about him. Derek Jeter is a guy that many people know. I think if you're a baseball fan, you know who he is. If you're not a baseball fan, you still know who he is. He was in the 2020 Hall of Fame class. He's had many, many accomplishments as a Yankee. I mean, he holds like a bunch of records. He holds the records in hits, doubles, games played, stolen bases, times on base, plate appearances, at bats, you name it his name is up there. Um, He's just, I guess, one of the most popular baseball players in Major League Baseball. I think his his name will always be remembered. And then whether you think, you know, he was a really good shortstop, he's just a really good player, or any of those, like, kind of things, you know who Derek Jeter is. You've at least heard of him. So, he joins that team, and the big question here is, is this a good fit? He, like I said, he did the ESPN documentary called The Captain. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. If you have listened to previous podcast episodes of mine, you would know that I would rave about this because I thought it was really good. Like, you really got to, like, see who he is and what he went through and things like that. So, I mean, he kind of has that experience in a way, like, doing stuff um, on TV, but this time it'll be live. I don't know. Well, he did that. And then he's also been in 158 postseason games. That's a record. So he knows the game. He knows how it feels to be in the postseason. He has the experience. It's there. And he's also like pretty familiar with his partners, his co-workers. He played against David Ortiz. He played with Alex Rodriguez. So he has like more like familiarity with the people that he's going to be working with and talking with. So I think that's going to help out a lot. And he just kind of I think he's going to be comfortable. Um, and yeah, like he has, he was previously the CEO of the Marlins. So he has experience, he has like the knowledge and experience within the front office. So he really covers all of his bases when it comes to knowing the game of baseball. Um, he was there for about like, what, five years, four and a half. So I think he's pretty knowledgeable on that side. Um, And yeah, so I'm just, like, he's a popular guy. I think this is good for Fox Sports, honestly, because I think recently he's been getting a lot more exposure being the cover of MLB The Show, the Captain Edition. Um, And, you know, like I said, doing that documentary, I think it's pretty good for them. I'm just surprised that that it happened. Like I said, he doesn't strike me as a guy who is, like, likes to be on live television, which isn't a bad thing. So, I like, like, I don't, see myself in the future being like a reporter or anything like that because I don't like being in front of the camera. I'd honestly rather be behind the camera, but 
maybe this is a new thing that he's trying. A lot of people do this. We see this in the NFL all the time. Um, coaches, players, Greg Olson, who is now like full-time reporter, and he's pretty good at it too. Arguably, maybe even better than <laughs> what he was on the field. But yeah, I mean, but then you have guys like A-Rod, Big Poppy, who will always be remembered for their MLB careers. Um, and then this is just something they do now because they still want to be involved in the game. So I think this is pretty good for him. But a lot of fans don't think it is from a fan perspective. And I think I agree in some way. Just because I feel like sometimes when players start to become reporters, they get hate on. Like, immediately. Like, they probably, they haven't even started, like, voicing their opinion, saying what they think, you know, actually doing their job, and then you just automatically hate them. And I think that's because, like, you've, you've see, always seen them as a player. You know, either you watch them growing up, like, as a kid, um, things like that. So when you go and see him doing something different and it cut, I don't know, for some reason it just makes people mad and who knows the reason, honestly, but a lot of people are kind of upset about this because I think it's going to make people not like him and I don't think that's because people have to disagree with what he says or what he thinks. I think there are people like that, but for the majority, he's a pretty noble guy. Um, I just think it's like, he's turning into this big shot, you know? And I don't think people saw that when he was a CEO of the Marlins. Like, for some reason, it was different, you know, when he was part of that front office. Nobody thought he was like, oh my god, now he's taking advantage of his major league, you know, access because he was once a player. But for this, I think people are trying to see it that way. And I don't know, I'm kind of on both sides. Like, I don't, like, I'm scared that I'm not gonna like him anymore because he's a broadcaster. And unfortunately, I think that may be the case just because, like, you just always, he's a player, you know, and then now seeing him on the opposite side is kind of weird. But anyways, it's a little bit dicey because, I mean, he had previous drama with A-Rod and they've discussed it before that they're over it, they're past that, they've talked it out. Now they're pretty good friends, or I don't even think they're pretty good friends, they're just, you know, have mutual respect for each other. I I feel like it's going to be awkward. Like, I don't know, like, even though, like, they may have said that they've talked about it, they worked out their differences, uh, I mean, there was still a large amount of disagreements there and arguments that they had, and I think those will always be there, so I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to interact with each other, especially on topics surrounding the Yankees. They both played for them, but there was also a period of time where they were both you know, playing for different teams and things like that, and maybe they have different point of views. I think it'll be interesting to see what he has to say. So that's that. That's something I want to talk about just because it was super surprising, and I would have never guessed because I, he, like I said, he's just a quiet guy to me. Like I don't really see him as like a vocal guy. I know he has a lot to say about baseball. He has very strong opinions about certain topics, and I respect that. But at the same time, I just don't see him you know, standing in front of the camera with a microphone with four or five other guys talking about it for some reason. I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't sit right with a lot of people. So it's going to be interesting. We'll see how that goes. But anyways, that's what I think about that. Let's move on to our next topic about injuries that have already occurred. We haven't even started playing spring training games, but 
surprise injuries are always something that happens in baseball and it's something that we just got to talk about we got to address and hopefully move on from so let's start off strong with the big name the one that's been circulating around for a while jacob de grom and i know what you're thinking again like to this is this guy like ever going to be back to what he was you know a couple of years ago and your answer is probably not honestly he's what i think he's like 34 years old now the mechanics are starting to slow down he's not playing as well as he used to is this a sign that he's out of his prime maybe it could be i don't know but let's just talk about what we know right now that has been happening so like i said jacob de previously on the mets for a good chunk of his career and he's now with the texas rangers signed a five-year 185 million deal this big thing the mets lose one of their star pitchers lose the probably the biggest pitcher in baseball besides you know shohei it's a big guy to lose so let's talk about the injury left side tightness this is something that's been going on for a while with him He's been dealing it. He's been dealing with it ever since 2020. He's had back problems, right arm troubles, things like that. He actually missed half of the 2021 season with right elbow inflammation. So it's something that has not been like kept quiet. Like I said, I think like from 2020 on, it's just been kind of downhill from him, and he's honestly suffered a lot of injuries. Last season, he had a stress reaction in his right scapula. And he was out until August. So, and he, even then when he came back, he had a 3.06 ERA with 11 regular season starts. So, obviously something is wrong and obviously this has been bothering him. Um, to kind of address this issue, he hasn't been pitching um, in spring training as of like when they found out. Just for precaution, things like that. It's been a couple of days. So, honestly, we don't know if he's going to make a start in March or I mean, in April, sorry. Opening day is in March. The season really starts in April. So who knows really what the the diagnosis is on that? I mean, it's just kind of tightness and it's something that he's been dealing with for a while. And I think once you get to that age, unfortunately, I do hate to say it because honestly, 34 years old isn't really that old, but in baseball terms, it is. So I think it's something that he is just going to have to experience his whole rest of his career, which is super unfortunate because if we don't remember, I mean, in 2018, he had a 1.7 ERA. He's been the best player in baseball. He's an ace. That's what we have to say about it. So I think that this could really affect the Rangers because they signed him, you know, it's Jacob deGrom. And then now he's facing these injuries again. And it's not like we knew that they were permanently gone. Obviously not. But it's something that you kind of crossed your fingers and you hoped that it wouldn't reoccur and it wouldn't be bothering him. But unfortunately, this is what it is. And now it's kind of like, what are you going to do? You have him locked up for five years until he's 39 years old. So hopefully he can go out there and be a good pitcher maybe he's not going to be the Jacob DeGrom we saw a couple of years ago but at least give you a couple of innings at least make a start is what we're hoping for and I think the big thing here is that fans have to realize that Jacob DeGrom may never be the pitcher he once was and unfortunately that's how it is the cards didn't align something went wrong and he is the mechanics aren't there the athleticism 
and it's not the same as it was a couple of years ago. So he's not going to be able to pitch the same. And it's just something that we have to accept. Unfortunately, it hurts because Jacob deGrom is supposed to be, you know, the best pitcher in baseball. Even though he doesn't throw that fast, he has a stuff. I mean, the command is just like mind blowing. Like nobody knew how this guy did it for so long. And unfortunately, he's hit kind of a, a bump in the road and it just never got better. It was never fixed. So sign of the times, I mean... It's just, it is what it is. Hopefully, he can actually start this season. Hopefully, get a full year in. But I really don't think he's ever going to be the pitcher he once was. So, that's what I have to say about that. That's kind of a controversial topic. I kind of had a lot to say about that. I just feel like the pain, the recent struggles are always going to be there from now on. And it's something that we have to learn to watch. So, that's that. Um, let's talk about the next injuries. This is not really a player, but more of a specific group. The Orioles bullpen is currently just not okay. If you don't remember, in 2022, the Orioles had the ninth best bullpen. They had a combined 3.49 ERA last season. Pretty good. But now they have four of their players who are not looking too good. Dylan Tate, has a strain of his flexor tendon in his forearm. And that was happened earlier. That happened in November. And arriving at spring training, started getting those bullpen sessions in, and it's just not 100%. So he's probably going to miss most of April, which is very unfortunate because he is a very good player. Like I said, he was a part of that combined 3.49 ERA. So that is something that is definitely concerning for the Orioles. D.L. Hall has a right lower lumbar discomfort, Felix Bautista, shoulder soreness, and a knee sprain, and then Nick Vespi is working back from a hernia surgery. So that's four of four guys from your bullpen who are currently probably not going to play for the next, for the first month of the season, which is definitely going to affect them because they don't play easy teams in April. They got the Red Sox, they got the Yankees, they got the Rangers. These are good teams that they're going to have to face and ultimately going to have to win games against. And if you don't have your bullpen, it's going to be very, very hard. So this is something unfortunate for the Orioles. It's it's hard because this was a strong suit for them. Their bullpen was one of the best in the top 10 last year. And you have the same guys, you kept the same guys. And unfortunately, it's just not working out and the injuries are there. So it, it's just... It, it's hard being having this on a team where their division, the AL East, is tight. We got the Yankees, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and the Red Sox, and ultimately the Orioles could compete. But unfortunately, if they don't have a strong bullpen, that doesn't look too realistic. So that's something that the Orioles are going to need to take care of, and hopefully they can get through that. Um, but yeah, so that's a group who is currently struggling on the injury side during spring training. Moving on, we got a pitcher, Frankie Montas. Wow. It has been a roller coaster with this guy for the past two years. So let's refresh our minds of where where he stands. Let's, let's give you a little bit of a synopsis. So this is his second season with the Yankees. If you don't remember, last year he was traded at the deadline for four prospects. Along He came along to New York with Trevino. So 
It was his first year on the Yankees last season, and he had a little bit of an injury already starting, and that was kind of known, but he did pitch. He had eight starts, but he went one and three with a 6.35 ERA. This is not the guy the Yankees thought they were getting. Definitely not because he had a very historic season with the A's. So unfortunately, this this has just not worked out for them. He's currently on a one-year deal for $7.5 million. He signed this season, so this is going to be his one year. Um, but he's just been struggling with that right shoulder inflammation that has just not gone, gone away since last year. So like I said, he was acquired from the A's. He already had the injury. He has suffered an injury last season and hasn't been able to pitch the same as he did in Oakland. And I think that's been just a huge downside for the Yankees. And on top of that, he's going to need shoulder surgery. So he's going to miss most of the 2023 season. He probably will not play. Uh, I think it's a miracle if he does. And this is just very unfortunate because you they the Yankees traded four prospects four prospects for these two guys from the A's and one of them who's supposed to be a star on your starting rotation cannot play. So this removes another guy along with Nestor Cortez who we'll talk about um, in a couple of minutes but now you have another open slot on your rotation and it just draws a lot of questions. What are we going to do? Who's going to fill in? things like that. But I think the biggest issue that we have here is that they traded away four prospects. Two of those were the top five and top 10 in their farm system. So you traded away two top 10 prospects for a guy who only had eight starts last season with a 6.35 ERA. And he's not even going to play this season. And you already signed him for 7.5 mil. Oh man, that is just not good for the Yankees. This was not, and it wasn't really even their fault, honestly. I mean, yeah, you could argue that they knew about his injury, but I don't think they knew it was this bad. The MRI showed that it was pretty good, so the shoulder surgery, it's not really a shock, but I think it's something that you really didn't want to happen, and unfortunately, it did, and now we're sitting here with two top 10 prospects are gone, they're out of your farm system, and you're stuck with a player who cannot play. So that is just super unfortunate for the Yankees, and I honestly feel for them because it, it was kind of a an unexpected thing in a way, but that's that. Let's move on to another Yankees pitcher who is not on the starting rotation, and I'll talk about that in another episode, but now the Yankees have to fill two spots on their starting rotation, and it's not going to be easy because these two guys were playing pretty big roles. Nestor Cortez, who is also a starter, last year had a phenomenal year. He had 28 starts, 2.44 ERA, went 12-4, and and he was an all-star. He had a really good year. So currently, he has a strain on his right hamstring, and this has kind of been lingering. I mean, his injuries have kind of occurred last season from August 21st to September 28th. He wasn't playing. He had groin injuries and he also didn't play in game four of the ALCS. So it's something that the Yankees knew of, but it wasn't really seen as a big deal. So he's currently not pitching. Um, he's at camp, but he's not really doing anything. Um, and he's probably going to miss most, if not all, of spring training. But I don't think this is as big of an issue as a Frankie Montas issue. He's unfortunately not going to be able to play in the WBC, but it is 
you know, predicted that he will play in the first month of the regular season. So I, I don't think he's going to play like the first two weeks. So you're going to have to find someone to fill that spot. But this is not really a big loss. He's most likely going to play from May on, if not maybe mid-April on. So it's it's not bad. Like I said, it's just going to be hard for the Yankees to find another starter who kind of reaches those expectations as Nestor Cortez does. Um, so yeah, and it's also pretty unfortunate too because now with the new pitch clock rules and everything, spring training has not meant more in prior years. Right now, you're in spring training and you really got a feel for the new rules. This is a time to practice and to really take things seriously. With the pitch clock, with the bigger bases, no shift, it's something everybody really needs to adjust to, no matter what kind of player you are. So Nestor being most famously known for the way that he delivers his pitches, um, does a little dance, love it, but now maybe he's not going to be able to do that because he only has 15 seconds to throw the pitch. So this is going to be really hard for him to kind of go back in, into and get the hang of things once he can pitch again. So it's just something that kind of on the downside for him. But honestly, I really don't think it affects the Yankees that much. He's hopeful to return within a month. So not bad as Frankie Montas, but still they're going to need another starter for the first few games. Moving on, this is probably our last injury guy that we're going to talk about. Lance McCullers Jr., Astro starter, is experiencing soreness in his right arm. This isn't really big news just because he had strained he had a strained right forearm last year and he only made eight starts in the regular season, three in the postseason. So this is something that's been kind of going on. He hasn't been throwing this season at all. Um, and I think it's something that's expected. Dusty Baker said that he's really not surprised, that he doesn't think it's a really big deal just because when you have that big of an injury last season, you don't expect to go full swing this season. So it's really not something to worry about or to focus about, um, but it just kind of puts up a caution sign to know that maybe he won't be able to pitch as long as he used to, or we're going to need to like have another guy ready, things like that. So it just takes extra, extra precautions for the Astros, but he might not even miss any regular season games. And if he does, it loses another strong guy in the rotation for the Astros. So hopefully he won't be able to, he will be able to play those games because now that the Astros don't have Justin Verlander on the team, they're really going to need him. So that's that. And that kind of really sums it up. Not a lot of players have been injured, thankfully, but the ones that did, I feel like it was kind of like a stab to the chest. It really kind of hurts the team. So those are those, but I do have a player that we do need to watch on the injury side, and that is Bryce Harper. So if we don't remember, Bryce Harper had many, many injuries in 2022. Injuries with his elbow, with his finger, he went through it all. And after the 2022 postseason, he kind of, he stuck it out for the postseason in the World Series, in the regular season for the most part. Um, after that, he underwent Tommy John surgery just because it was something that he needed and something that needed to be taken care of. So with Tommy John surgery, obviously it's not going to be as detrimental as it is with a pitcher just because position players and pitchers are have different bodies. Things work in different ways. So he's not going to need a really long recovery, but it's still a nine-month recovery um, for Bryce Harper. And that's just only for him to DH. So it's going to take nine months for him to DH, and he's probably not going to be able to play on the field 
until next season, unfortunately. So this kind of like really uh, affects him in a bigger way. Um, but he is expected to return after the All-Star break. Just hitting though, he's not going to probably be able to play in the field. Um, but yeah, I don't really think it's a big issue for the Phillies. Maybe it is, but I mean, they could put Castellanos at right and then the rest stays the same. They have Schwarber and left and then um, Brandon Marsh at center field. And it's something that they're used to. So I don't think it's really going to take a toll fielding-wise because you do get that bat from Bryce Harper after the All-Star break, which I think matters the most. And I think that's like his strong suit too. So I don't think it's a big issue, but it's definitely something that um, we should look at and talk about and see how he recovers and hopefully he'll be good as new next season moving on to our next topic let's talk about brian reynolds um brian reynolds wants to be traded he is a center fielder um for the pittsburgh pirates uh he's been with the organization for a while now he's young he's only 28 years old so that's kind of like the basics what you need to know um another thing he had really good numbers in 2021, but those numbers dropped in 2022. Strikeout rates, walk rates, war, things like that. He does hit really well against the fastball, but there's also a really high chase rate that goes with it, so they kind of cancel out each other, unfortunately. But um, his relationship with the organization is... I, I don't know. It's a little bit iffy. He's been with the Pirates for five years. He's currently on his last year of a two-year contract for $13.5 million, um, and he wants to be traded. He just feels like there's a difference of opinion regarding his worth as a player. Um, he's open to signing long-term extension for the money that he thinks he deserves. So um, and I think it's kind of fair. I think like he's a guy who has been very loyal to the fans, to the organization for a while, and like he said, he doesn't want like a crazy contract, but he does want to get paid the money that he deserves for the way that he plays, um, and I respect that a lot. So honestly, I feel like the Pirates should pay him just because, I don't know, I'm kind of on both sides. I'm like on the fan side, or maybe like I think, mm, I don't know how you should like split this up in a way on one side I do believe that he should be paid for what he wants like he said he doesn't want anything crazy just a reasonable number because I think it's good for the pirates he could be a guy who stays with the organization for the rest of his career keep him along with um, McCutcheon who's recently signed so I think like that could be good for the pirates to have two main guys two guys who are going to be on your team until the end of their career so I think that's that's one reason on why I think he should be paid but on the other hand I think this could be good on the business side and maybe even for some fans and for him as well he could be traded this season um and I think maybe that could be really good for him because he gets to go to a competing team and he gets to go to a team you know that's going to compete in the postseason and plans to compete in the postseason so it's kind of that competitive outlet that he wants and then it's good for the Pirates organization because then they could get really good pro prospects. And the fans can also be happy about those prospects because the Pirates currently have a lot of young guys on their team. They have Hayes, they have Cruz, they have Castro. So add in a couple of those younger guys, give it a year or two, and they could 
they could be up there. So I think it could be really good either way. Unfortunately, like it had to come up to this thing where it's like a difference of opinion, things like that. But I think like either way it could work out for Pittsburgh fans and maybe even the front office. And for him too. I think like he gets to go into free agency if he does get traded um, and then ultimately be on a competing team, which I think is something that every baseball player wants to experience. So that's really my take on that. And then our last topic that we have here is talking MLB expansion, which is something that's been brought up again. It's kind of an on and off thing in Major League Baseball where this topic gets brought up. But here we are again. There has been a pitch brought to Major League Baseball to expand the league from 30 teams to 32 teams. So it would still be an even number. And the new cities that were proposed to have baseball teams were Charlotte and Nashville. So that's North Carolina and Tennessee. So I have a little bit of pros and cons here, and they're honestly split. So maybe you guys can help me with this one. But pros, I have that it brings more fans to Major League Baseball. There's a lot of people in Charlotte. There's a lot of people in Nashville. I think it'll really do great with the fans. And they're both good cities that kind of have a lot of city life, that they have a lot to do. They're pretty, like, big cities in a way. So I think those two things are good. Cons, it requires probably building a new stadium. And that's something that takes a lot out of the city and takes a lot out of the league itself. So that's something that can not be, like, negative, but it's just another thing to add to the list in a way. And then another con is that it causes the divisions, at least in this pitch that was brought to MLB, the divisions are split up. And let me just tell you, it's weird. And I do not like it at all. I do have it here so we can kind of like see how it would be if those two teams were added. And I just don't like it at all. So (laughs) it's still going to be there. It's going to be an NL and there's going to be an AL. But let's talk about how it looks. So the National League will be composed of the Midwest, the Southwest, the Pacific Coast, and the West. So it would kind of be like by region. And the Midwest would include the Cubs, the White Sox, the Brewers, and the Twins. So all teams basically in the Midwest. And then the Southwest would have the Astros, the Royals, the Cardinals, and the Rangers. Already big issue. I'm a Cubs fan. We got the Cubs and the Astros, I mean, sorry, the Cubs and the Cardinals in two different divisions. I don't like that. Okay, moving on. Pacific Coast, the Rockies, the Athletics, the Mariners, and the Giants. And finally, the West, Diamondbacks, Angels, Dodgers, Padres. I do not like it where the Giants and the Dodgers are split up. I think that's kind of weird. So that's what the NL is going to look like. The AL, it would be the East, the North, the Mid-Atlantic, and the southeast. I just feel like these are weird ways to split it up. Like, I just, these are, like, I don't want to be like, man, like, the Mid-Atlantic League is looking really strong. Like, no, that just does not go together. So let's talk about who's on the east. The Red Sox, the Mets, the Yankees, and the Phillies. That is the holy grail of teams right there. I mean, it's all teams in the east coast, but that's just crazy. Um, And then you got the north with the Reds, the Guardians, the Tigers, and the Blue Jays, the Mid-Atlantic with the Orioles, the new Charlotte team, the Pirates, and the Nationals. That is also could be a really weird division, all right? And then we got the Southeast with the Braves, Marlins, the new Nashville team, and the Rays. 
that I do not like how that like looks I just think it's weird but I I kind of I'm all for like you know what maybe I'm not I don't really know how to feel like I think it's really it's good the cities that were proposed but I don't know if I like the idea of expansion like 30 teams is right with me 32 eh, it's kind of getting a little too big there I just I don't know I don't like it and I also think if it's something that would be like considered like like actually considered it should be this whole like division realignment should be really like overviewed because it just does not look good and a lot of people disagree with it too it's I don't like how it's being called like midwest southwest mid-atlantic like no I, I like how it is now nl central al central you know nl east things like that keep it short and simple get to the point Anyways, yeah, so in all, I mean, I think if this was accepted, it would just take so long for this to actually be established because there's so many things that go in to building a new team in a new city. So it's just like a process that's probably minimum five years, I think, but I really don't think it's going to be taken into account right now. Just because I think like 30 is like the perfect number to have, everything is fine the way it is, um, but yeah, so that's that, that I just thought we should talk about. But anyways, that kind of wraps up this week's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. There'll be another episode on Friday where I'm talking about the Cubs. And if you are not interested in listening to that, there'll be a regular baseball episode next Monday. So make sure to stay tuned because baseball is almost here. Just a couple more days. As of today, February 18th, there's only 40 days until opening day. Super exciting. But anyways, thank you again so much for listening and I will see you in the next episode.